Let's read Luke chapter 10, verse 25 says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he, he took the man and put him on his own donkey. And he brought him to an inn and he took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Look after him and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And tonight I want us to spend just a few moments talking about mercy. But as we talk about mercy, when, when I was in children's ministry, I, I, I used mercy and I would describe mercy in terms of grace and justice and mercy. And I would describe mercy like this. I would ask the fifth grade class, I would say, I would say, what if you threw a baseball inside your house? What if you and your buddy were tossing the ball inside your house? All the kids agreed we'd get in trouble for that. Probably get a spanking. We would get put into timeout. Might even have to pay for it out of our own allowance. Okay. So you would get into trouble for, for tossing that ball. And let me ask, what if you were tossing the ball and you accidentally threw it through the window and broke a window? What would happen? Oh, all the kids agreed. We would get in trouble for that. That would be bad. That would definitely not be good, especially when dad got home. And so what about when dad did get home and dad saw the window and he looked at you with the ball in your hand and he said, you know what? I'm going to punish you. You know what? You have just received justice. You got what you deserved. And what if he takes the ball and he says, you know what? It's okay this time. I'm not going to punish you. Then your dad has shown mercy on you because you didn't get what you deserved. And instead, what if your dad took you for ice cream instead of punishing you? You know what? You have just received grace because he has given you something that you didn't deserve. I remember maybe 20 years ago, my father-in-law, Jim Dillinger, taking me to Malawi, Africa for the first time. Jim Dillinger has preached the gospel for more than 50 years in this life. 
And he started the preaching school in central Malawi, Africa, that is now known as Malawi International Bible Institute. That was some 30 years ago. But 20 years ago, he and I had an experience that might be the scariest experience I've ever had in my life. I thought I was going to be put into prison. I thought I was going to be extorted for everything that I was worth. Maybe I, I didn't even know if I was going to be able to leave the country. It was very, very scary. And I want us to go to Jim Dillinger right now. And I want us to hear about this crazy time when we were driving through some of, through some of the crowded markets in, in Malawi, Africa at the preaching school there. Let's go to Mr. Jim Dillinger. All right, we were at the Pinella Training School, Tony and I were, and when we had been teaching for, I believe it was three weeks, uh, training preachers to go out throughout Malawi and preach. And we were done on that day, and we're heading back to the house, and we went back through this little trading center. Uh, and there were people everywhere. Uh, there were people riding bicycles, people walking, just everywhere. And I slowed way, way, way down. And as I did, this guy came out of a bar and ran right in front of me, and I hit him. And actually found out what I did is I ran over his foot, but he was bleeding terribly. So Tony got hold of him and put him in the back seat of the car, and we headed to the hospital. So when we did that, we took him to the hospital. We knew we had to talk to the police, so uh, we went to talk to Dick Stevens, who knew the area, and he took us right to the police headquarters, which was underneath the airport, way down below the airport. There were, uh, it was kind of dark in there. There were jail cells in there. It was pretty uh, scary. But we had to go back in there and tell them we had hit a person. Now, in foreign countries, if you hit somebody, you can be in serious trouble. Uh, but we told him about what had gone on, and he wanted to see my driver's license. And they said, well, we want to come over and see where the accident was, and then we want to talk to the the man that you hit. So they didn't have police cars, so they had to ride in our car. And the policeman sat in the back seat with his feet right in the blood of the guy that we had hit. So we took him over into the town, showed him where the accident happened. Then we went up to the hospital. And he wanted to talk to the uh, the guy that we hit. He wanted to talk to him alone. So Tony and I waited out uh, in the lobby while he did that. And we were pretty afraid that he was going to want money from us, as much money as he could get, or say a lot of bad things about us. But uh, when the policeman came out, he said... Uh, he didn't say anything like that. And boy, that just really helped us to feel a lot better. So after we took the policeman back, we came back to the hospital and went in to talk to this guy that we had hit. And we had never gotten a name from him. And I asked him what his name was. And he said his name was Innocent. And that was a shock to all of us that this guy's name would be innocent. But he he spoke the truth, and 
it, it was just amazing. Plus the fact that when he was sitting in the back seat of the car, he saw a lot of our materials that we were teaching in the school preaching, and he wanted to know more about the gospel. And eventually some of the guys from the preaching schools and, and others uh, got a hold of him and taught the gospel to him, and I believe he was baptized. But it was an unbelievable situation, and the fact that this guy's name was innocent just absolutely floored us. Well, when we went in and talked to the man, and he said his name was innocent, and uh, he could have done a lot. He could have tried to get as much money out of us as he could. He could have told the police the wrong thing. They would have put us in an African jail, which was would not have been good. But he wasn't like that at all. He was merciful. And we came to really respect him for that. And respect God that uh, the churches in uh, Indiana and where Tony was at that time, had been praying for us, and God was hearing those prayers. And, and so we ended up with mercy. What a tremendous story about mercy. You know, Innocent could have extorted us. Innocent could have put us into prison. But Innocent had mercy on us. Innocent had mercy on us. But you know, there is a difference about mercy there's a difference in the mercy that innocent had on us and the mercy that the good Samaritan showed. Let me demonstrate that difference here with another story. You know this story. There was a firefighter who was named Stephen Gerard Siller. He was the youngest of seven, seven children. And at the age of eight, Stephen lost his father. And a year and a half later, his mom passed away, leaving him as an orphan. Him and his other seven children lived and, and basically raised themselves depending upon each other. And for a while, Stephen struggled. Uh, you know, but thanks to the love of his siblings and some other family members that instilled some great values in him, he grew up to be an extraordinary individual and a dedicated firefighter. As a matter of fact, on September 11th, 2001, Stephen, who was assigned to Brooklyn squad number one, had just finished a 24-hour shift and was on his way to play golf with his brothers when he got word over his scanner that a plane had just hit the North Tower of the World Trade Center. Upon hearing this news, Stephen immediately turned his car around and he headed right back to the station where he had just finished his 24-hour shift. But his squad had already left. They had already left him. And so he grabbed his, his gear that was in the station and he called his wife and he said, hey, cancel my golf outing with my brothers. I've got to get back to the tower. I've got work to do. And so Stephen drove his own truck heading back to the towers, but he only got as far as the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. And you see the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel had already been closed off for security reasons. But you know what? It didn't stop him. He was determined to carry out his duty. So he put on the 60 pounds of gear on his back. He put his firefighting jacket on. He put his fire boots on and he raced on foot through the tunnel, sometimes jumping over car hoods through the almost three miles of the Brooklyn Tunnel to the Twin Towers where he would never be seen again. 
You see, that's what firefighters do. They run towards the fire. They run towards the trouble. When everyone else is running away from the rubble, they run towards it, risking their lives to save others. And that is exactly what the good Samaritan did. He ran toward the rubble. That is what the scripture says that the good Samaritan did. If we go back and look at the scriptures, it says he came to the man lying on the side of the road. He went to that man. He ran towards that man on the side of the road. He took care of him. He bandaged his wounds. He poured oil on his wounds. He put wine on his wounds. He put the beaten man on his own donkey and he took the beaten man to an inn to recover. This man paid for the room and this good Samaritan promised to pay more if there was any more expense that was required. And guess what? Today, as Christians, we are called to run toward the fire. As Christians, we are not called to just have mercy on those around us. Say if someone is cutting us off, say if we're driving down the interstate and someone has cut us off and they put their brakes on us, you know what? They deserve, they deserve to be honked at. They deserve to be yelled at. They deserve a lot of things, don't they? But if you decide to just have mercy on that person and not call the cops and just go about your way, you know what, you, you've had mercy on them, but you haven't shown mercy to them. As Christians, we are called to show mercy. As followers of Jesus, we run toward the rubble of people's lives to provide comfort. As Christians, we are called to show mercies. As followers of Jesus, we run toward the fire that we see in our neighbor's life to provide that care. We walk through the mud and the mire to rescue those who need to be saved. We just need to remember, need to remember that we, we can't do everything. Satan wants us to do nothing, but you know what? God just asks you to do something. I like that. William Barclay defines mercy as this, the ability to get inside someone else's skin until we see things with their eyes, think with their mind, feel with their feelings, and then act on their behalf. I like that. I like that definition. The scriptures will say this about mercy. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8, one of the most famous scriptures that I know that, that I have, that I, that I know, that I love, it says this, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Matthew chapter 5 verse 7 in the Sermon on the Mount says, How blessed are those who are merciful because it is they who will receive mercy. Luke chapter 6 says it this way, Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And James chapter 2 takes it even further than that when he says, For judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. For judgment will be merciless to one who has not shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. We need to be showing mercy. That's what the Lord requires of us. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. So in my town, what does that mean in my town? Here it is. Here's a question that I want to ask you. Does your neighbor have crisis in their life right now? You know what? Run toward your neighbor and show mercy. 
Does your friend group have fires that is roaring out of control right now? Run toward that fire and show mercy. Does anyone in my town need mercy? You know, just like the Good Samaritan probably didn't know the name of that beaten man that he helped. There are people in my town that I do not know that are beaten down. And just like the Good Samaritan, I pray that I will be willing to help those who are beaten down. I pray that I will see the opportunity to bandage the wounds of those around me who are hurting. I pray that we see the opportunity to go the extra mile and to say, if there is more to do, just let me know. I'm willing to pay the price. I pray that we will show mercy, just like the Good Samaritan, to everyone that we see. We can't do everything. Satan wants us to do nothing. God just asks you to do something. Show mercy. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this summer of my town. And tonight, Lord, we pray for mercy. We pray that you will show mercy upon us. And you have done just that. You have already paid the price. We deserve death. We deserve hell. We deserve the grave. But because Jesus died on the cross for us and has shown mercy to us, we have a hope of heaven. And Lord, I pray just like Jesus showed mercy to all of those around him, that we will do the same, that we will show mercy to our neighbors, that we will show mercy to our friends, that we will show mercy to the people that we don't even know. I pray that we can bandage someone's wounds, that we can pour wine, that we can help, that we can go the extra mile with someone. Lord, give us the strength, the courage to do just that. Help us to see those opportunities and bless us today. Bless us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I hope you have enjoyed tonight. I hope you've enjoyed this summer. We have enjoyed bringing it to you. And I pray that God will bless you. Thank you.